Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we're talking about inclusive recruitment. For the CII's third podcast, we are back with Tali Shlomo, the CII's People Engagement Director, to talk about inclusive recruitment. Um, So Tali, first of all, can you define for us exactly what inclusive recruitment is? Inclusive recruitment should form part of diversity and inclusion strategy. And it's all about ensuring that there's a fair and equal opportunities for candidates during the end-to-end recruitment process. So it's looking at every stage of the recruitment cycle. And the beauty of it is that it's um, ensuring it's accessible and relevant to your organisation and also complements having um, enabling diverse um, candidates applying for roles, not only from the different protected characteristics, but also from diverse backgrounds. So social inclusion is absolute and social mobility is so critical here. And that's why inclusive recruitment is such an enabler of us achieving diversity and inclusion. And there's obviously legal requirements for employers when it comes to this, but what are the benefits of inclusive recruitment for an employer? What's it what's it result in? Yeah, so this, you know, whilst there's regulation about discrimination, this is about being inclusive. This is about providing opportunities to look at recruitment and candidates from a different lens and perspective. So when you're looking at every stage of the recruitment life cycle, you're looking at it from a uh, diversity and inclusion lens. You're looking at it from a social mobility and a social inclusion lens. You're looking at it from uh, candidates' potential as opposed to candidates' current uh, experience. And what are, the other thing that it does is is it it supports our talent pipeline. We're all experiencing a shortage in talent and attracting talent. So why don't we look at it from a different lens? Why don't we look at our process? where we can attract candidates. So are we advertising in the same old place? Are we using the same language when we're looking at job descriptions? So what it enables us is to look at it all the time from a different perspective. So Tally, can you um, tell us why inclusive recruitment is so important? When employees think about organisations um, that they're applying for and they're committed to diversity inclusion, business case suggests that business performance in terms of innovation improves by about 83% and team collaboration improves by about 42%. So there's a clear business case of why it's important. And then you have um, 31% of organisations align recruitment with diversity and inclusion strategy. So what better opportunity to really look at your inclusive recruitment process and the life cycle at each stage? Whilst we also have organisations in the EFS market, 76% are actively trying to recruit and attract candidates from diverse communities. So when looking at your inclusive recruitment process, it's again looking at it from a uh, different lens, um, looking at it from the lens of all, not only our protected characteristics, but also from the social mobility and social inclusion. So you know, our backgrounds, our education, is it is it vital when we're recruiting for a role? It's really about transferable skills, it's about potential and opportunities. And that's where we really start to look at unconscious bias training. So forty five percent of financial services organizations have introduced unconscious bias training. And we um, at the CII over the last four years have had mandatory unconscious bias training for our managers. Can you tell us some practical tips that organisations can foster? Absolutely. I think the first one is um, looking at job design. So when you're starting to think about recruiting for a role, 
really consider what it is that you're putting on the job description. What is the language that you're using? And what are the skills that are absolutely essential versus desirable? We all have a tendency to go, oh, we want this, we want this, and we want this. But when we really start to challenge our thinking and our essential requirements, we can really uh, down shortlist that um, and, and look at it from a different lens. Because when you write in a job profile and then you advertise it, what tends to happen is some candidates will it will deter them from applying for the roles because they will look at it and say, I can't meet all the requirements, all the essential requirements. And that's a shame because what we're doing automatically is excluding a handful of candidates that may have transferable skills, that may have potential, um, subject to us uh, providing a bit of coaching or subject to us maybe just tweaking the role for a period of time until their confidence um, evolves or until their knowledge of our sector or our products evolves. So that's really critical. So is this where unconscious bias sometimes comes in? It, in I think, yes. What I would say is it really comes in at uh, the, the shortlisting of applicants because what tends to happen at the shortlisting stage is you start to, um, your, your unconscious bias really start to kick in because what, what unconscious bias is about is we all have prejudice, we all have biases, but when we start to shortlist candidates and then interview candidates, we, we make assumptions very quickly. Mm. We'll make assumptions by looking at a CV that that candidate may not have experience that we're looking for or that candidate hasn't stayed at an organisation for long enough and we, without knowing why, we may make some assumptions, which is not very helpful. So at the shortlisting stage, what we always recommend is having a framework what are the criteria you're shortlisting candidates against the job profile? So that's where it always starts with the job profile, the job design. If you get that right, nine out of ten, you're nearly there. Unconscious bias is absolutely critical. You know, we've done a lot of training on unconscious bias um, for managers, but we've also invited um all our colleagues to join just if they're interested, because in all our interactions, we have biases. So even if you don't manage people in terms of your day-to-day role, you are interacting with people, you're working with stakeholders, you're working with your colleagues internally. How do our biases sometimes take over? So it's not a remedy, it's just being aware. So awareness is critical throughout our inclusive recruitment. It's important in all our interactions. And going back to the job role, job description, you mentioned a moment ago that sometimes people will look at the job description and feel that they don't fit all the criteria. Is that a, a male-female difference typically? Typically it is. So what we tend to see is that um, men will look at a role profile and identify that they can do six out of ten uh, desired or essential criteria, and they will apply for it. A woman uh, more likely um, will look at it and say, well, I can only do six out of ten, then I won't go for it. Mm. So that's why it's so critical to look at um, what is desirable and what is essential. It's also critical to look at the language that we're using. Is it quite um, gender bias or is it neutral? And I think it's really important. So when we're looking at inviting candidates to apply for roles, it's about our brand image. It's about a brand image that we want to portray. We are inclusive. And it's not just about the gender split of male and female. 
it's about what about candidates who may be transitioning um, as transgender people? How do we encourage them to feel comfortable applying and working through the candidate process and for us to support them in that? So we've made sure we've not excluded anybody in the job role, job description, job advert stage. We've made sure we've not introduced unconscious bias at the shortlisting stage. What about when it comes to interview? What are some best practices there? So I think what's absolutely critical is, first of all, having a diverse panel. So we here at the Chartered Insurance Institute work quite hard to ensure that the panel is diverse. And we look at several things gender we also look at job levels because i think job levels bring something different and i know the first time we introduced that uh we approached um someone who wasn't a manager and they were quite surprised but it was great because what it did is it brought a different perspective they understood the role not at management level but they understood the concept because they understand the function they understand that the interactions and the stakeholder engagement and what it does is it brings a different perspective. So when you look at diversity inclusion, age is one element of that. Experience is one element of that. Job levels is one element of that. So how do we break out from the div- how do we break into diverse thinking? One way is having a diverse panel at every stage. We also have um, or ensure we have a um, set of uh, questions that every candidate has is asked the same question. And I know this has been going on for years. We've all been doing this, part of the, ensuring that there's no discrimination. How do you weave in there behavior questions? How do you weave in there to ensure unconscious bias doesn't um, overtake sometimes in kind of the summaries? This really kind of links also back into um, shortlisting. So we work on uh, blind CVs when we're shortlisting. And that's not just names of the CV, but we try and take off anything that may give away someone's uh, background or someone's education that's not relevant. It's not relevant where you've studied or where you've got a university degree. It's not relevant how old you are. It's not relevant if there was a gap. Um, What is relevant is what's your transferable skills. And have you seen the outcomes from these practices already in, in action at CII? So absolutely, what we've... I think the first thing we've done here is um, we've held some recruitment training and we're piloting it at the moment and the feedback's good and we're continuing to evolve it. What we have seen is um, the the people managers start to look at it from a different perspective because we're challenging, we're challenging the typical thinking that we've all we've all been doing for years and so we're thinking about the role profile differently we're advertising in different places our interview panels are different and yes we are seeing that we're attracting candidates from pools that we've never would have attracted before um it's still early days it's been probably a work in progress and it's evolving all the time but if i look at our data the data does show we are encouraging shortlists um, or candidates applying for roles from different pools. And thinking about the wider insurance sector, is inclusive recruitment something that's already been adopted or something they need to do more of? I think most are on the journey. I think it's an evolution of the journey because it's one area that we need to keep looking at. We keep need to considering how do we advertise and where do we advertise. I think um, what about the smaller organizations that may not have the time to really look at every single aspect of the recruitment life cycle? 
because recruitment does take a lot of time. Um, the time investment is is is, is huge. So what are, what are the returns? So we've produced a guidance booklet that will support uh, organizations through this process. It's a step-by-step guide. And also what it does, it's in a fun way, provide some examples of what, you know, the bias that we can sometimes be or should be aware of. Um, and again, unconscious bias, unconscious bias is not about um, a cure. It's not that. We all have biases and that's great. Um, it's about um, being aware. It's being mindful and ensuring that it doesn't um, impact the decision-making process. And how do you see this supporting diversity inclusion? Inclusive recruitment is only one step um, or one initiative that will support um, diversity inclusion. So if we are looking to attract talent, if we're looking to attract um, millennials, um, as an example, or if we're looking to attract um, uh, older workforce, then it's about having processes that opens us to um, getting candidates through the door. The other areas of uh, diversity inclusion is all also about behaviours internally. So this is really one element of behaviours that we are looking um, to be mindful of. And if you're mindful of your behaviour when you're recruiting, then you're also mindful of um, your behaviour when you're managing performance or you're managing your your people. And when managing people, you know the other areas that we should consider is work allocation. Um, it's about rewards and performance. You know, typically, do we give you know, all the exciting work to men or do we give it to a certain age category? Um, you know, we have disabled people. Do we really connect with them? Do we really give them an opportunity? And what about people who have um, childcare or parental care? Are we considerate of that? Or are we actually at the detriment not giving them the opportunities because we haven't taken the time to speak with them and to understand their needs? And do you think that candidates will increasingly search out uh, employers who have inclusive recruitment practices? Absolutely. I think particularly in an age where we all talk about equity and fairness, and I think where we are looking at millennials uh, joining the workforce, they, their employee value proposition is about equity, fairness, it's about diversity, inclusion. It's about um, having a transparent approach and I think what they look for in any organisation is how transparent are they, and what are we? Uh, what is an organisation doing to enable progression? So when you look at millennials in particular as an example, they look for progression quite quickly, and they are looking for feedback. So they've they've kind of lived in a, in a world where they get instant feedback. So what feedback do we have in an organisation that will enable that, and that will enable their skills to develop and evolve? And um, if you could give like a top tip to any other sort of HR professionals out there that um, are on the starting on the journey of inclusive recruitment, what, what would that top tip be? Have a look at um, recruitment training. Have a look at unconscious bias. Have a look at how you currently recruit and have a plan. So start to identify which part of the business are you hiring this, a certain role or a certain person. And if there's a pattern emerging that you're hiring a certain person all the time, and start to look at that that's the core area look pick one function and start to evolve your recruitment process to try and address that gap tally thank you for joining us on the third episode of cii radio thank you
That was episode three of CII Radio. We hope you enjoyed listening and let us know what you think on Twitter at CII Group or email me at michelle.warvel at cii.co.uk. Until next time, thank you for listening.